Good afternoon and welcome to the show. Well, you know what? It is an interesting start to the new year. Uh, welcome to the show, everyone. It's 2018, of course. Uh, you would have heard from uh, my last show, you know, we were celebrating the new year and everything. Um, just thought I'd uh, share a little personal stuff with you uh, at the beginning of this new year. Um, over the holidays, I had my hip replaced. And so I'm pretty much laid up for about four weeks. And I wanted to tell everybody a little bit about my experience. And the reason why is because it might give you some inspiration for this year, 2018, about what you should be doing with real estate. So here, as most of you know, um, we own a company called The Simple Investor and all of our properties are managed by our company, Cyreg Management, which is the Simple Investor Real Estate Group. And fortunately for us, we do own uh, lots of properties that are under management management. And during the time that I was, uh, you know, pretty much, I would say laid up because couldn't get around too much, couldn't do anything for the first uh, few weeks. Um, one of the things that I think I was able to take some uh, solace in, it was the fact that my, uh, my rental properties were still working. So for those of you that ever think about why should you own investment real estate, I got to tell you, this is one of those times where I sat back and I, I can't say I was, I couldn't have been happier knowing that my investment was actually still working for me, even though I couldn't do absolutely anything. Now, I know not everybody has the ability of having a property manager do things for them. You know, some of you manage it yourself, but if you've set it up correctly, it will continue on. And if you've got good tenants and you've done your due diligence, in most cases, you can, uh, you can have things happen in your life. You know, we always tell people, it's not if something happens, it's when something happens. And the idea of investment real estate allows you to have a lot of things happen in your life, but yet you still have security. So, you know, if I was working in, let's say, uh, you know, a different field, maybe I wouldn't have short-term disability. Maybe I couldn't take up all my, uh, my vacation time. Maybe I wouldn't get paid for that time that I was off. And in the meantime, my investment property was still working for me. So, you know, um, if any of you want to take a look at a, you know, a real life story, there it is, you know, uh, pretty much out of, out of commission for a month, but yet my investment property was still doing what it was supposed to do. Think about your own lifestyle. What is your future look like? And this is why I talk to people a lot about life. Life happens, always will. And in 2018, obviously we hope that everybody is going to be healthy and fit for the year. Um, you know, we're going to talk a lot about the real estate market, uh, over the next little while because there's going to be a lot of changes that people are going to feel for sure in the market and um, today just so you know I've got two great guests joining me Greg Bennell you know Greg he's from BNN House Money he's going to be joining me we're going to talk about obviously the, what 2018 is going to hold for us what's the Bank of Canada doing what can we expect um, and also a little bit later in the hour I've got Brad J. Lamb joining me he's a real estate broker condo developer you might remember him from the hit show Big City Broker uh, Brad and I'm going to talk a lot about the condominium market. That is probably one of the hottest topics in real estate, especially in Canada uh, for 2018. It's going to make a lot of headlines. It did in 2017. I'm going to talk to Brad uh, about where we are going with those markets and a whole lot more that's going on. So have you been thinking about buying real estate this year? Or are you thinking about changing your house? You know, potentially, um, obviously, the markets have been fluctuating like crazy. We've seen so much activity uh, through the uh, year of 2017. As you know, we had that huge high coming into the spring of 2017. Of course, the government stepped in, stepped on everybody's throat. And, of course, lots of people are turning around and, and calling them out for it. Toronto Real Estate Board, in fact, 
you know, one of the headlines was Toronto Real Estate Board blames government for 18% drop in sales. You know what? I'm going to agree with them. I think that uh, they were too aggressive, too much at one time, and then the Bank of Canada increasing the uh, the incentives off the uh, interest rate made a lot of sense. You know, we had to do it sooner or later. And at this point now, with the new mortgage rules, that's right, January 1st, when we rolled over the calendar, it means that everybody has to uh, has to take a stress test when they do a mortgage. Five-year mortgages now have the stress test, and it's going to be interesting. One of the things, though, that I've talked to quite a few uh, brokers out there is that they're even struggling with the new rule set. They're not sure on exactly what... Uh, you know, the whole whole thing's going to come down because a lot of people are talking about uh, taking second mortgages, maybe getting some extra outside source of cash to come up with the extra down payment so that they can still purchase what they were hoping to purchase. So it's uh, January's going to be an interesting month. I think we're going to return to normal. I think there's going to be some normalcy heading towards um, the the new year, especially come March, April, when we hit our spring market. It'll be interesting to see where the numbers come in. Um, one of the things that I thought I'd uh, share with everybody is this year the simple investor uh, has uh, has quite a few projects that are we're lining up getting ready for release uh, to our investor base but we've got some new product coming out uh, it's more educational and also a new management system that's going to help people uh, be their own landlord. So a lot of you that uh, want to own properties and be your own landlord, we are going to be having some new product uh, being launched in the spring. And we're going to talk about it more as we go along. You're going to hear some ads about it. Um, you know what? We're going to teach landlording. And uh, yes, it's a word. I used it. And it is going to be very, very interesting for those of you that have got yourselves into a position of being a landlord, but you're struggling a little with all the rules and regs. Um, we've got a new product that's going to be launched. And uh, it's going to be very exciting. It's going to help everybody. It's going to make it, uh, your lives a little bit easier. Also, we've got a program. It's a three-day training seminar that's going to be launching in the spring. Uh, it is called The Simple Program. It's going to teach everybody how to actually be a real estate investor right through A to Z on how to do it, how to buy, where to buy, uh, teaching you all about financing, management, absolutely everything that's involved it is going to be limited space and people do have to qualify to be part of it so uh, all sorts of new things coming up here with us at the simple investor but most importantly you know what i'm going to try to keep you up to date every single week on what is actually going on in the market and i think to spell some of the headlines because as we know going through 2017 um, some of the comments that I, I, I'm sure you've heard me make over the year was the fact that I get so sick and tired of the BS headlines that people do for shock value. And, you know, when people are saying they're saying market is off by 40 percent, everybody thinks it was their price. And they were using this almost like a sledgehammer through the summer. And I got so sick and tired of listening to it. And I finally decided that, you know what, um, I would rather turn around and break it down and tell everybody the truth. So the market pretty much, we had, had a bit of an uptick in December. Uh, everybody trying to reach and, and grab at the last second, uh, making sure that they didn't have to worry about the stress test. And so, you know, not a horrible month by any stretch, but it's going to be January. I think when we have this conversation in February about what the market's doing, I think this is the one that's going to probably catch people a little bit off guard and we're going to watch some numbers that are going to drop down a little. You know, more or less they're forecasting a steady even market and there's nothing wrong with returning to that. You know, taking the wind out a little bit of the sales I think is important for us because for us, we want to make sure that people are buying smart. They are making sure that they're using conditions 
that that is going to be very important. And um, you know what? There's going to be a lot more uh, access to information. As everybody remembers, Treb did lose to the Competition Bureau, and um, they uh, they're going to have to release information. And I think we've got some sites that have been popping up, and you're going to see more of them through 2018. Of course, uh, Treb's going to fight it, try to uh, go backwards on it. But at this point, I don't think they've got a leg to stand on. Um, so. Without further ado, you know what? I think that uh, I'm going to bring in Greg Benell from BNN. I'd like to wish you a Happy New Year. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Happy New Year to you, too. Um, always great to have you on the show, Greg. And, of course, you know, we've we've rolled over the calendar year looking back. Uh, lots of reports on uh, on 2017. Well, uh, any highlights for you that you want to, uh, you know, let our listeners know that you, you think were important for us? I think it's more the moves that were made near the end of the year and what they're going to do to us this year, because, of course, the new stress tests were uh, trumpeted for months and months and months. Just wait till 2018, wait till the trouble that we're going to be in. Now, obviously, it's early going. We don't know how much trouble that's going to spell, but uh, some interesting developments in terms of just mortgage rates that go back to the stress test, because, of course, the stress test is, you know, taking the your contract rate and putting 200 basis points on top of that, see if you can handle it. But if the contract rates start moving higher, then it's going to be harder and harder to pass those stress tests. And we're starting to see uh, the banks on Bay Street say, you know what, the bond market is, uh, well, they'll say, forcing their hand. We have to pass on these borrowing costs to you. And you think, okay, well, 15 basis points, 25 basis points, who cares? I, I can handle a mortgage at that rate, but that makes the stress test harder. So I think this is the this is sort of a key time right now through January and February. I mean, these aren't the booming months for real estate anyway, but to throw all of these sort of uh, hurdles in the path of, of home buyers, as some people see it, it's going to be a really interesting test, I guess, of the sort of uh, the strength of the buyer and, and the, really the strength of the market. Yeah. You know, uh, one, one of the stats that came out, Greg, was that in December there was a pretty hot market. You know, a lot of people just trying to get in under the wire there. Um, and I think one of the things that if we can make sure our listeners know, despite the fact if you had a pre-approval, even if you had it done on December 31st, it is no longer valid. And, you know, there's a lot of people that they did the pre-approvals and said, hey, listen, the bank said I can afford this. A lot of conversations now are that people are going to be putting second mortgages in place, maybe looking at some Alt-B or alternative lenders. What do you think? Is this going to be a big thing? Yeah, that's the real concern, right? Because every time you try to make the system, because in the end, I mean, people will say, oh, I can't believe, you know, they've made it tougher for me to get a house. But what they're trying to do, at least from their point of view in Ottawa, is, is make the financial system more resilient. That, you know, we're not worried about these people because if they can afford the home at 200 basis points higher, we're not worried about what's happening right now. Uh, but the thing is, every time you try to make things, you know, a little bit tighter, a little bit safer, there's people who are going to say, you know what, I'm not sitting this out. I'm not going to stay on the sidelines just because Ottawa tells me I shouldn't be in the market. Yeah, I'm going to go exactly where you said, Todd. I'm going to go to the shadow market. I'm going to take these higher interest rate loans. I'm going to get into riskier products and sort of lever up. So there's real concern. I mean, the Bank of Canada has been talking about this for a while. Every time they talk about the, the health of the, the mortgage market, they're not uh, being alarmist, but they always say, we are watching the shadow banking place because if more and more people move out of there, it sort of defeats the purpose. We want to make things safer. We want to make the financial system more resilient. And yet every time you tighten the screw, perhaps one more person goes, hmm, 
hmm, I think I'm going to get a loan from a private lender and bundle that with another loan, and you just end up with this bigger debt problem than perhaps we were anticipating. Yeah. You know, Greg, we're going to go to a quick break. When we come back, I want to talk about, you know, secured and unsecured loans because there's a little bit of a rumor that people are going to go, uh, you know, get a little bit loose with this. So um, stay with us, uh, folks. We'll be right back with Greg Bedell from BNN. And welcome back. If you're just tuning in, my guest right now is Mr. Greg Minnell. You know him from uh, BNN, and of course, he's from House Money. And uh, Greg, just before the break, you and I are talking about the latest stress test. And um, one of the things that a little bit uh, people are getting concerned about is people actually using even credit card, loading up their credit card debt to be able to buy properties. Um, Should we really be concerned about people, you know, trying to overcome this stress test? Yeah, that's the thing, right? You talk to a lot of people in the industry, and they'll tell you time and time again that people aren't pushing themselves to the limit to get into a home. But I don't know, that rings all true for me, especially in, in the hot markets. Sure, in other parts of Canada where you can buy you know, your average home for $232,000, I hope you're not pushing yourself to the limit. But in, we just know in these expensive markets, I don't see how young people are getting into million-dollar homes without really extending themselves. And uh, this idea that and really the banking regulator took a look at it, not so much the credit card thing, but the uh, the bundled loans they were calling them that if you couldn't afford to pass the, the previous stress test for an insured mortgage, don't worry, we're going to set you up with a private loan that gets you your down payment. And that always just struck me as madness because people use the word mortgage, they just forget what a mortgage is. A mortgage is just a loan, just a loan yeah. secured by your real estate. So to get a loan so you can afford to get another loan it always just sort of blew my mind as very risky behavior. And of course, the bank's trying to clamp down on that. But OSFI, you know, the banking regulator, they only supervise the big, you know, banks and they don't have the shadow lenders. So there could be kind of dodgy stuff going on. If I heard of someone actually using their credit card to get a down payment together, I mean, that would be the kind of thing where you almost have to stage an intervention. Yeah, you'd, th- you'd think so. But you never know because people, you know, de- desperate times for some people and, and, and they just, you know, they're held bent because they don't like the new rules. So speaking of uh, Bank of Canada, um, you know, there is the talk that next week they're considering raising the rate again. What do you think? Uh, is this something that's we should take seriously? Uh, the market was taking it very seriously, and they're still pricing in uh, the, the odds that they will go and raise that the benchmark rate by 25 basis points. But all the noise about NAFTA, that's starting to make a lot of people very nervous. It's currently it's, uh, making the currency traders very nervous. The Canadian dollar keeps losing value on this. We know Governor Polos has been watching it, but he's also said that when they try to determine their rate policy and basically how much it's going to cost for us to borrow funds in this country, it's really hard for them to plug NAFTA into their models, because what does it mean? If uh, Trump tears up NAFTA, there's six months where maybe we could still get a deal. Do we go it alone with the Americans? Do we go to World Trade Organization rules? Like the, It's such a mess that it's really hard, I think, for a central banker to take it and say, we're going to do this because of this, because NAFTA means this. They can't even tell us at the central bank what NAFTA means, but that's the uncertainty. Uh, it probably wouldn't be crazy if the Bank of Canada did raise rates again at the next meeting, and then perhaps then stay on hold, and then try to see what happens in NAFTA, because we're still talking about a 1% overnight rate. This is by no means a historical high, if anything, uh, people are just can't believe. An entire generation has never seen high interest rates. They've only seen uh, central banks acting like this. Yeah. So one of the things that uh, obviously Ontario has faced was, uh, you know, as the Fair Housing Act, you know, came floating across our uh, 
our port there back in the spring. You know, lots of lots of devastation there. The Canadian, uh, the Toronto Real Estate Board, in fact, blamed the government for an 18% drop in sales. But on top of that, now we've got the new minimum wage kicking in. You know, we heard a lot of stuff about you know backlash on employers that are starting to pull back on a few things, trying to save some money because of the extra costs. You know, this this kind of thing coming into the marketplace. Um, you know, they're they're actually speculating that we could be losing jobs, not adding to the actual economy here. Is this the kind of thing that you know you 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 mentioned? You know, we could have a real seesaw year. Can this not also take the wind out of a lot of markets? You start to wonder, yeah, because of strength. We're always told that as, as we get worried about the higher interest rates and the rules that there's this huge demand in Toronto and other markets because the labor market is so strong. And now you're completely right. People have very real concerns about the labor market in the terms of what the minimum wage hike will do. Will people actually lose? Some people who keep their jobs will obviously be paid more and have more money to put in the economy. But even the Bank of Canada is saying tens of thousands of jobs will be lost as this. You start to wonder about the, all the destabilizing forces going on. And we know there's a huge amount of destabilizing forces. Uh, even if the market, I, this is an interesting one to me, even if the Toronto market stays flat, because prices have sort of just bottomed out. They, they've, they're in the, the mid-700 ranges now for the average price, and they've been there for a couple months with some fluctuations. But by the time we get to the spring, even if that holds true and there's, and there's no more price damage from all the rules we've seen, you're going to have a year-over-year comparison to April of last year, and that's going to look like a monster drop. And some people in the business are actually saying uh, they're fearful that people will see that headline that, you know, prices down 20% year over year, and that's going to dent the market too in terms of the, the psychological impact. So, yeah, there's a really there's a lot of hurdles to look at for this year if you're uh, thinking about buying real estate or selling real estate. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the psychological effect because that was a lot of what I think people experienced back in the spring in 2017 is the fact that well, as soon as they said, hey, listen, we're going to affect foreign buyers, there was this mentality that people weren't going to show up on their doorstep with bags of money. So a lot of people started pulling back. They weren't getting as aggressive, but at the same time, when the numbers actually came out, the foreign buyers weren't really the ones spearheading the drive. It's definitely back to, uh, again, uh, you know, we just don't have enough inventory. You know, this is one of the biggest complaints. This is why we've seen such an incredible market in the condominium. Uh, you know, avenue because a lot of people are saying, hey, it's the only thing that's affordable. It's the only thing that's being built right now in Toronto. Um, what do you think? Are, are we pretty much looking at a condominium market over the next couple of years? I think it's going to be the big story of this year in terms of the amount of pressure that we're seeing on the condo space. Cause it's insane. When you take a look at the single family home, when we were talking about the madness of Vancouver a couple of years ago, the madness of Toronto last year, it was all about everyone fighting for single family homes. And suddenly everyone said, oh, that's not the play anymore. They want to be in the condo space. And it makes sense, like you said, uh, Todd, it's an affordable place for people to get into the market. I started out in a condo. A lot of people start there. A lot of people are probably going to have to be stuck there for a long time if home prices don't dramatically come down in the single-family space. But I think, yeah, when you're looking at the trends so far in Vancouver and Toronto and other big centers, it's a huge push towards the condos, which then makes me think that that's where uh, the investors start to show up too, right? Because, I mean, if you're just looking to make money off of real estate and you see that that's where the heat is, then that money's going to start flowing there. Yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense. So, uh, you know what, one of the things that uh, I appreciate, Greg, is you always joining us because there's a lot I think you and I are going to be watching this year. And, um, you know what, if I could have you check in every once in a while, by all means. Um, so just for our listeners' sake, what time is your show airing uh, in 2018? Uh, it was funny. Uh, we 
got back on the air this week, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Eastern Time. Excellent. And uh, always a pleasure. Thanks so much for joining us, and we'll definitely stay in touch. Oh, always great to be on the show. Thanks so much. Folks, that was Mr. Greg Vanell from BNN. And hey, listen, remember, tune into House Money on Tuesdays at 5.30 p.m. Always great. Greg's got some great information on his show. Hey, listen, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, coming up next, I have Mr. Brad J. Lamb, condo developer and real estate broker. We're going to have a good conversation about what's going on in the condo market. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back. Always great to have Greg Bennell on. And uh, you know what? Greg's always a, a great guest. He's going to be back uh, probably in the next few weeks. We're going to be keeping an eye on the market and see what the numbers look like for January, folks. I think uh, I think we're going to start seeing some numbers ease, and it's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting. So it's going to be a great year. As I mentioned uh, before the break, though, my next guest is Mr. Brad J. Lamb. You would know the name definitely if you had been tuned to the TV uh, with Big City Broker. Brad is a real estate broker. He's also a condo developer and has been doing uh, work pretty much mostly in Toronto. And uh, Brad, thanks for joining me on the show. Well, thanks for having me. You've got quite a lineage in real estate. Maybe you can uh, share it with us. I do know that uh, back in the 90s, you were a prominent real estate broker, uh, very busy. Um, Maybe you can tell us uh, a little bit about your start. I went to school, uh, got an engineering degree. I uh, worked for four years in that field and, and hated it. I knew I'd hate it. It wasn't something I wanted to really do. I just did it because I was good at it. But I always always had an affinity for selling, so I got my real estate license and started selling real estate in uh, 1988. Prior to that, I'd been buying and selling investment real estate, sure. much like probably you did. Yeah, I was making more money doing that, so I got my real estate license. And then I realized that you know I wanted to work downtown. Uh, I was living in Oakville, but I, I wanted to work downtown. And I, I wanted to work in the condo market. And... The only guy I knew that was embracing that and wanting to do it was Harry Stinson. So I started with him, working with him. It was just him and I and an assistant. Uh, and then that company grew, and we became partners. And then I split off on my own in the, in the mid-'90s. We did quite well together. We did you know several hundred units a, a year in sales. It was all reselling of stuff, not uh, the new development thing. Uh, and then when I started my own company, did quite well with that, and uh, developers started to approach me as the economy recovered from the 90s, uh, 80s, 90s crash, and I started selling condos for developers and resale, did quite well with that. And, you know, I watched developers, and I, I had the arrogance to think that I could do a better job. <laughs> Not an easy thing, developing real estate, that's for sure. So I do both now. I've sold uh, close to 30,000 homes across, uh, well, mostly in Toronto, but across Canada. We work in other cities, too and uh, developed several billion dollars of condos, uh, mostly in Toronto, but also Montreal, Ottawa, and Calgary. I know that um, some of the stuff that's obviously going on, and and, and you and I are going to have some time today to talk about it, I think the average perception right now of people out there is that if you're a condominium developer, it's a license to print money, but that's far from the truth right now because there's so many hoops for you to jump through. You know, just before you and I went on the air, you know, we were having a quick discussion about this. The government's not making it easy for you, are they? No, they never have. You know, there's times where, you know, you look at it and you go, wow, this could be a great project for us. We could make a lot of money. And then something happens. You know, the city changes the rules. Um, you know, there's a, a new tax added like the HST. Uh, there's an investor tax. There's always something, you know, levies go up. The city levies go up that, that cut your profits by 10 or 20%. It's a very, very hard business. It really is. Obviously, I've made a fair amount of money doing it. I continue to do it, so it can't be that bad. But it is a very hard place to make money. 
It takes a specific kind of person to survive in that environment. But unfortunately, I believe that in Toronto, the municipal government and the provincial government have effectively decided to shut down development in the core. Well, let's say in the central part of the city. I think in pursuit of trying to lower prices, but all their actions just are going to do the opposite. They're going to reduce effectively development to almost zero or close to zero. And by doing that, supply will plummet, the demand will continue to rise as as population grows, immigration grows. And I think also young people want to live in the city more so than in, you know, Thornhill, like maybe they used to. Right now it's like everything is kind of pointing to us in the direction of getting out of the city. So most of us are now looking at Hamilton, Mississauga, Scarborough, North York. The regions around Toronto are more reasonable to work in, and I think there'll be a lot of development in those areas. You know, interesting point because, um, and, and I'm not going to ask you to hang hang the provincial government. I do that all by myself here. <laughs> um, but the truth is, is that I just think that they've put so much in place to squash the market and try to create what they call an affordable market. And they say, you know, all, all first-time homebuyers should have affordability given to them. You know, you, you, you mentioned about yourself, you know, back in the, the you know, 80s and 90s. Hey, look, that stuff wasn't affordable to us either. You know, we just happened to, you know, you'd buy you'd buy an old place. You know, you take your shag rug out. You turn around, you make it a little bit better. You made a little bit of money. So then you made some equity. You move on and move on. You know, there's an expectation out there in the market that you should get the shiniest penny, make it the nicest, you know, get the nicest place right out of the gate. Um, are you finding that, you know, there are, you know, as, as a developer, you know, you, there's a certain expectation in the marketplace now, too. You know, like, if you don't have the latest, greatest building, you know, people aren't being drawn to it, even though, you know, there is no marketplace out there. Like, there's, there's, no, there's no inventory. Like, this is, this is the thing. And here the government thinks that, okay, let's beat, up, let's beat up you, the developer, make it harder on you. Like, that's going to help you drop your price. It's just because it takes so long. I mean, you're getting priced out. From, from the time that you start your development, my understanding is that your cost can actually escalate by 15, 20% before you can even take it to the market because of the government. There's all sorts of things that both governments do to cause us to see inflation. I mean, one of the things is that the time span from when you buy a property to get it rezoned and completed is now about six or seven years. And so in that time, you're running your numbers when you purchase the property for cost and revenue, and they all change. I mean, it's constantly sure. moving. And it's very hard to balance because you need to borrow money. It's hard to know how much money to borrow without all these numbers lining up properly for you. So it's incredibly risky because you need to start financing a year before you can build. You've got to sell before you're rezoned. Like you actually have to sell before you're rezoned because sure. all these things have to happen so that on the same day, you're like, yes, I can build. I have the sales. I have the financing. I have the rezoning. <laughs> right. Very hard to balance. And consumers don't understand that. They don't understand the difficulty in this industry. And the two levels of government we work with have cut off our one leg and both arms, and we're hopping around trying to figure out how to get this done. I mean, effectively, they're really doing some bad things. I think this particular government, the liberal government, I don't think they're really looking out for the interests of the first-time buyer or the person trying to get in the marketplace. I don't think that's really important to them. What I think is important to them is getting reelected. I think that's what they've really focused on. So they've thrown out the idea of being a liberal party, and they're trying to be kind of all things to all people. So they've given up on the right wing. Mm -hmm. They're really embracing the left wing. And the left wing, part of the left wing that really is almost nonsensical. Things like rent controls, where you have not only is there one level of new rent controls, but there's a second level coming, which will prohibit landlords from asking market rents on a vacant apartment. 
that's coming. That's yeah. done first reading. And that's effectively going to mean that you're going to have people that build new apartment buildings asking $2,000 a month, and the same apartment down the road in a 10-year-old building is 1200 a month. It's going to be New York City. And they can't bring it back up. They can't bring it up to the 2000 no, no, even can't. when it goes vacant. No, no. And one of the things, Brad, it's great to have you on the show because you experienced when Bob Ray stepped stepped in the, the shite in, in back in 91 when they implemented rent control even back then. So the fact that they're doing this now, you know, people, you know, for, for those of you that, um, you know, were in the markets back then, uh, just so you know, the majority of apartment owners just want to turn around and hand their keys back to their lenders and said, well, forget this. And then 91 is where almost the condominium market was invented because nobody wanted to build apartment, uh, you know, purpose uh, properties. From 19 early 70s to really about a year ago, nobody wanted to build apartment buildings in this province and they haven't. You know, there's been very small scale things done, a few hundred units here and there. But about a year and a half to maybe two years ago, people started looking at it saying, wow, okay, so rents are now four bucks a foot downtown, and it cost us maybe $700 a foot to deliver a property. That's a five cap. Yeah. We might be able to make some money or four cap. Sure. So people started to look at and to launch some purpose built apartments in the core. And we looked like maybe we we're going to deliver some, you know, a good steady supply of rental units, which is very important because the thing about renting a condo is a landlord can sell it and then the tenant's gone. They have no surety of tenancy. In a purpose-built building, they do. We need those, and we're not going to get them now. We're absolutely not going to get it. Those people have canceled their plans unless they're way too far down the road. But anyone who has not broken ground, and even those who have broken ground, a one downtown called the Kingly that broke ground, converted while they were building, and yep. they sold it out in a weekend as condos. It, yep. those, those 130 apartments are no longer in the rental market. Listen, Brad, stay with us. We're going uh, to come back, folks. I'm going to have more with Brad J. Lamb, and uh, we're going to talk more about the condo market when we come back after this. And welcome back. If you're just tuning in, my guest right now is Mr. Brad J. Lamb. And you'd know the name, Big City Broker. Um, Brad, you know what? Just before uh, when I was introducing you, you and I didn't talk about your TV show, but it was a real hit and, and actually aired in quite a few uh, countries, didn't it? It aired in the States. It aired in probably 30 or 40 different countries. You know, I guess for a Canadian show, it was a small hit. It was fun to do for three years. After it wound up, I had some people asking me to do other shows, and I, I just, it's a lot of work. It is, yeah. It's an awful lot of work. I just didn't want to do it anymore. Yeah, years ago, I used to uh, host a, a TV show as well, a real estate show, and it's a lot more work than people think. You know, it's like, yeah, it's a one-hour show, but uh, you've got a lot more time put into it. So um, so just before the break, you and I were talking about, obviously, condominiums, the fact that, the, you know, the government is creating it so difficult for even the rental market. So no no, no new builder in his right mind is going to turn around and, and build a purpose-built apartment building today because um, at this point, because of rent controls, you know, jumping in, it's, they, can't, they can't get a decent cap rate. They can't make a decent return. Um, you know, one of the things I was going to ask you, though, is that last year we saw about 1,400, 1,500 units get canceled that had been pre-sold. And a lot of times, uh, in fact, the most recent one back in the fall, the, you know, the excuse that was brought out was the fact that with, with the delays that the government was doing, uh, costs going up, there's no way they could afford to do it. You know, fortunately for all the people that did purchase, they got their deposits back, which is very important, of course. So are we going to see more of this? Like how, when, when people are out buying a condominium, how do they know for sure they're going to close? Because, you know, the market is, has jumped up so much in the condominium market. You know, at one point we were at $600 a square foot when, you know, when, they, when the thing got canceled, it was, the average was 817 a square foot. 
you know, how, how can people have confidence in both? And I'm not just talking you because, you know, your, your, your stuff is closed. You, you know, you've been able to pull off some great projects. But at the end of the day, how do people know what they're buying is going to close? Well, no, even our projects are at risk. I'll give you an example of a project I have where I've been royally screwed over by the city of Toronto. It's a project on Richmond Street. We wanted to do an 18-story tower, and, you know, they never really were clear with what they'd want, but it it's appeared to us that it was, you know, 14, 15 stories maybe. They had some issues with the massing, like the setbacks and things, but by and large, it was probably a two- or three-story fight, you know? Now, it was a small site, so we really needed the 18 to make it work, ideally, certainly at the prices back then. We went to get it rezoned. The city dragged their feet. The councillor asked me to give them a bit of an extension so he could do a public meeting. I gave them extra time. We couldn't make a deal, so we appealed to the OMB. Now, we could have appealed to the OMB four months before we did, and this is all about time, right? Sure. You need to compress the time. But I did the, the councillor a favor by extending it. In hindsight, I shouldn't have. So then we had an OMB day that was negotiated by the city solicitor and my solicitor, and we all agreed on the amount of time. That was going to happen in 2016, mm -hmm. in April or May. A week before the hearing, they said, four days isn't enough. We need 10 days. A week before. They already had all the evidence and knew everything they needed when they agreed to the four days a year before. Sure. It was just, in my mind, just mean-spirited. It was a way to f yeah. <laughs> up me. Yeah, right? sure. So it got delayed another year, and it was heard this last summer, right. like May. All of this, sh these shenanigans cost us a year and a half, and the OMB's backed up. It takes a long time for the chairs to come up with their findings, and uh, it's because they, they're overworked. There's not enough chairs. Right. So it's taking now about a year to get a, a, a ruling. So what happens is that you do all your numbers based on something that happened four years ago. So projects are getting canceled because of the incredible amount of time it takes to get something through the system and the fact that the costs of construction are rising. I know a guy, who a developer friend of mine, who launched the building last year, and he's canceling it. He can't build it. The, he, he sold it in the mid-7s. Right. His costs are in the low-7s, and he yeah, can't no build point. it. No, yeah. he's canceling it. You know, I think I think we're going to see more and more of that. And and again, as you had mentioned, um, there's not a lot that's getting approved anyway. So I think the provincial government plus the city of Toronto are going to put themselves in a very precarious position. Where do you see square footage prices going then? Like, where are we? Uh, you know, the resale obviously is getting stronger in the condominium market. Yeah. Uh, we know that the detached market in the overall Toronto area has kind of softened up a little. Um, you know, it was, it was a little out of control there. But at the same time. We've seen nothing but a strong force in the condominium market. Where are we going to end up? We're now clearly north of 1,000 a square foot downtown in an average location. I think organically we probably would go uh, 5 to 6% a year, but we've had this injection of very bad governing that's taken place in so many levels focused on the real estate market. I see it rising much faster, and I, I've been saying I think we're going to hit $1,500 a foot in the city, certainly before the decade. Now, is it smart for people to do a speculation? Because that was a big part of the market. One of the reasons why the government got involved, and, and I think this was, they just didn't want people making money, but when we talk about um, speculation, you know, condominium market has always been a little bit of that. And now with rent control, uh, you know, now, I, I think it's a to totally wrong thing to be involved with right now. But at the end of the day, um, is it good to speculate in some of this in some of this market? No, I don't think speculating in real estate so it's a smart thing to do. It'll work a few times and then you're going to get burned. Right, um, right now, if you buy it a thousand a foot, mm -hmm. 
uh, we're renting condominiums in the four fifty to five dollars a square foot a month range. Right. Believe it or not, they make sense at a thousand a foot because rents have risen. Sure. With the rent control issues that have come up, I, I don't know what the future will be five years from now. But right now, they still make sense to buy in the GTA. But at fifteen hundred dollars a foot, we're going to need rents at around six or seven dollars. That's going to be hard for the government to see through because you know you're looking at $3,500 or $3,000 a month for a 500 square foot one bedroom that's our future well you know what it's unbelievable that the numbers but you know and you and I saw in in the early days obviously where the numbers really were I mean you know people were buying at $200 a square foot you know you could rent you know for yeah. under a thousand dollars a unit it was pretty easy stuff um, Bank Canada um, you know we've got the stress test now in with um, with the changes of the mortgage rules Bank of Canada you know threatening a little bit more to play with interest rates do you think the stress test was a smart play no I think it was asinine I really do. I don't think there's any place in the world where you have to qualify for a loan at a rate well above what yeah, you would, what you would mean, be able insane. to get that loan for. Sure. It's very elitist. I have a property. I managed to get in the system. But anyone now who wants to get in, well, you have to qualify at 2% higher. It's very unfair. And it doesn't make any sense. You're basically treating adults like children, saying you can't manage your own affairs. Government shouldn't be interfering in that area. It's not smart. I think it will be unwound. I really do. I just think it's a very bad idea. You know, one of the things that, um, you know, I've always talked to people about, especially because, you know, being a simple investor, you know, we, we work with financing for our investors. And, and when we start talking about five-year mortgages, right, when somebody's got a five-year term to it, based on amortization, they basically pay about 15% of that mortgage off within that time period, right. roughly, right? And if yeah. that's just your homeowner, you're living there, you're paying 15% or 20% of your mortgage off. You know, can they can they not actually take a look at that and say so if you do renew five years from now okay forget about this whole stress test garbage it's if you do renew five years from now your debt is eighty percent of what you took uh, you know if you if you don't you know up it or if you don't throw a credit line on or whatever sure, yeah. so can they not actually you know and this this was my argument and when talking to some of the officials was that hey listen people debt is being paid off if they go to renew just put a cap on the renewal and say listen you can't renew more than what your current mortgage value is as opposed to turning around saying hey listen no we're going to make it harder for you so because we think interest rates are going to go up five you know five years from now we want to make sure you can qualify for it yeah but what about the debt no the debt's going down because that's yeah. the, the basis absolutely. of an amortization right absolutely listen in the united states you can get a 25-year mortgage all day long i think the united states is a far more volatile real estate and mortgage market obviously we've seen what happens with that but or we are their neighbors we need to be competitive for housing people come up from the united states to work here they were courting amazon to open up their office here bring americans up what are we saying to people when they come from a, a competitive marketplace? You can't buy a home here because you have to qualify for mortgage two percent points more than you'd actually get. It's yeah. crazy. No, no, I know. I, I, I think personally, it's crazy. Um, one last point: foreign buyers. You know, being a developer, obviously, um, selling brand new. You know, there was the talk that a lot of foreign buyers were buying product. Did you find that when you did your releases? This is kind of a racist tax. You know, there's a lot of Asian people buying condos. Sure, of course. and because they're Asian they're foreign. Yeah. It's not the case. In my launches, we don't want to have a building that's one thing. We try to get all types of people buying our buildings. We don't reach out to one ethnic group. We have had, you know, Asian buyers buy in our buildings, and we've reached out to certain groups that represent that community quite well, better than I could. I've talked to these people that are buying. Many of them are kids. They're in their 20s, and they're going to university, and their parents are in China, yep. and they're here, and they're going to stay here. You know, they're being educated, and they want to buy a home. 
What's wrong with that? They're residents of Canada. They're buying a home. They're not foreign. And they're not flipping. And no, that, they, that's, they that's the thing. They're, no, they don't. They and don't this, this, this is the thing that, you know, I, I was arguing about all last year was that these foreign buyers, as much as people hate the idea that, you know, they're actually buying, these people aren't flipping. They're not taking profit out of Canada. And they can still get taxed on the way out anyways. So it's like, you know, this doesn't make sense. I think, I think there's been a lot of bad uh, mistakes made. They yeah. also are landlords. They rent them. Yeah. That's what we want. They rent them. They buy them, they keep we them, they them. rent them forever. Sure. What do you think of 2018? What are, what are we going to see? Well, I think the first part of the year is going to be a bit tougher than, than last year. You know, the 2% stress test. I think that um, people respond to the media. The media is going to say average prices are going to plummet in the first quarter of this year because last year was insane the first three months. So our average prices this year will be lower than uh, they were last year sure. for the next three or four months. And so that will probably scare some uneducated buyers. They'll believe the rhetoric that the media spoon feeds them to scare yeah, them. Yeah, the headlines. Yeah. yeah. But that'll settle out. And I, I think overall we'll have a good year. It probably won't be um, much more than, you know, 5 to 10% better than last year in terms of pricing. Pricing is going up. Listen, people always talk about a bubble. That's fine. Uh, I would agree that prices are high in Toronto and, and Vancouver, no doubt. But when the economy is expanding, when unemployment is an all-time low, when inflation on all products but real estate is extremely low, and we are one of the safest countries and one of the most desirable countries to live in in the world with a lot of foreign capital, hence the investor's tax, wanting to be here, and phenomenal job growth downtown, prices have to go up. They don't go down in those environments. Listen, Brad, it's been a real pleasure having you uh, come in and, and speak with us today. And uh, hopefully we can have you back maybe later in the year and we can just uh, touch base. Sure. Folks, that was Mr. Brad J. Lamb. Great information. Remember, go to the SoundCloud if you missed any part of the show and you can replay it. I want to thank Greg Bennell as well for joining me. Of course, Ian and Andre for making it simple. And I want to thank you for tuning in. Remember, I'm back next Saturday at 3 p.m. I'm your host, Todd C. Slater. You've been listening to Simply Real Estate right here on News Talk 1010.